My name is David Ostreicher, Dr. David Ostreicher, and I am an orthodontist, just like you. And I have a private practice, and most of my patients really like me, and I do pretty good work, just like you. But I am up here for one and one reason only, because this course is the opposite of all the other courses you've seen today, and the course you'll see after me. It's the opposite. Because in those courses, the guys get up and they show you pictures of their family and give you all their credentials and what schools they went to and how much they wrote and, and all this other kind of stuff. And I'm not giving you any of that. And they show you great cases and how everything turned out great, and this is the opposite. I'm showing you patients that are, didn't come out so good. I'm showing you the opposite. Um, but the only reason why I'm up here, the reason why I'm up here, not because I'm a great orthodontist that did all kinds of wrote literature and did all kinds of studies, I'm up here because I have more experience than probably almost anybody in this room. I've been doing this for 37 years, and I have no hobbies. <laughs> I don't play golf, I don't watch sports, I don't ski. This is what I do. My kids call me a dental nerd. So I practice about 50 weeks a year, five days a week, in that office. All me. All right, I treat all my patients. I do, I do all the IPR, I do all the clin checks, I do it all. And as of Monday, I have treated 20, together, not just Invisalign patients, 24,652 patients. Thank you. I, I didn't do that for accolades. I graduated orthodontic school before most of you in this room graduated high school. When I graduated orthodontic school, we weren't wearing gloves. We were banding every tooth, not bonding. Um, I've treated 2,164 Invisalign patients, and like you, most of my patients liked me. Most do, 98%, maybe 99.5%. They like me. Maybe I have a 99.5%, but even if I had a 99.5 satisfaction rate, that means by now I have 123 patients who think I suck. And it's those patients who ruin your day, not the other 24,600. It's those. It's because when you're walking down the street and you're going to trip, nobody trips on a boulder. You trip on the little stones. And it's those few patients who just ruin your life. So I'm going to give you some of my experience so you can learn from it, maybe have some fun today as well. Meet Nancy. Nancy comes into my office. She's class two, subdivision right. Her upper midline is deviated to the left. She's had previous orthodontic treatment, including uh, an extraction of bicuspids. Uh, and here she is, 48-year-old female, previous orthodontic treatment. And her chief complaint was she had buck teeth. 
What would you do? How would you treat this case? So what I did, she wanted Invisalign, and I do a lot of Invisalign, so I used molar distillization. And it was 54 aligners, and I backed this up with class two elastics. Now this case was done a while ago, before we had the precision cuts, so every stupid aligner, I had to cut out the little hole for the button on the molar in the cuspid, and I went over with her wearing the class two elastics. Typically in my office, we put the, rub, we put the, attachments, and the, uh, the attachments and the auxiliaries on at stage three. So we give her her first two aligners, she comes in stage three, and she refuses the buttons. She said, I'm not ready for them yet. So she refuses them. And then she refused them again at aligner 7, 8, 9, and then she refused them again at aligner 10, 11, and 12. So I said to her, Nancy, we agreed that we're going to wear rubber bands. And she said, did you ever wear rubber bands? And I said, yes. She goes, I doubt it. So she refused to wear rubber bands. So what are you going to do? So at that time, this was several years ago, I sent it to an oral surgeon, put in a couple of tads, and I ran some tads off of some um, buttons to pull everything, with chains off of the buttons so she didn't have to wear rubber bands. And she was not a cooperative patient. She complained about everything. She complained, oh, I looked at my ClinCheck, and on February 5th, six months from now, I'm gonna have a space here, and I don't want a space for my wedding. So I said, okay, let's just stop treatment. Okay, so we stopped treatment for a while, but I have a space here. So I had my dental hygienist put on all kinds of composite there to disguise it. And then finally we get going again, and I have to do a, a couple of refinements or mid-course corrections. And she gets all upset the treatment is taking so long. It did take long. In fact, it took four years. Four years of Nancy. <laughs> Finally, she comes in to get her last three sets of aligners. I give her the last three sets of aligners. And I say, Nancy, next visit in six weeks, we're going to take off all your attachments, and I'll put you in retainers. And I never saw Nancy again but I was served this notice, I was sued for malpractice. And so what were her complaints? Her complaints was she was dissatisfied with results, pain and suffering due to extended treatment time, and her husband sued me for loss of services. <laughs> Can't make this stuff up. So here we go, here's the full transcript. My lawyer says, uh, what happened? She says, I'm unhappy with my smile, period. Unhappy, very unhappy with my smile. Anything else? My facial, if you can understand, my facial structure has changed since my orthodontic work. Anything else? I don't have a smile, a full smile the way I used to. I smiled and it was very big. Duh, you had an overjet. My smile is considerably smaller, okay. I'm trying to think aside from what I told you, self-conscious in pictures, just not happy with my smile, just not happy. Anything else? No, I don't think so. No TMJ, no perio, no, none of that, no, no decalcification, none of that stuff. Then her husband who was suing me. You said that you canceled dinner dates because your wife could not chew food. What do you mean by that? My wife could not chew the food. Friends, my friends like expensive restaurants. 
to go to a dinner, you can't enjoy the quality of the meal because you can't chew it. She said, I'd rather not go out. No sense in paying $200 on dinner when I can't enjoy my meal. I say to my lawyer, great, because the jurors save up for a week to take their family to Olive Garden. They're not gonna have any sympathy for this guy. I go, we got this made. He goes on. Anything else? Our sex life. Not that I want to elaborate on sex life, but I definitely took a toll on that. Now, I have a good imagination. How can aligners ruin your sex life? And you get to take them out two hours a day. And she's not eating. So my lawyer says, okay, David, let's get all our stuff together. Show me all the records. You know, let's see how I can defend this case. Show me all your records. And I show him all my records. And he goes, well, where's the Seth? I go, I, I didn't take a Seth. There was a period in time, it no longer exists, seven or eight years ago, when I have a lot of good friends of mine who are general dentists and they're doing orthodontics. They're doing Invisalign, and some of them do a very good job. Understand that. And none of them take Cephs. And they talk to me, and they say, well, why are you taking Cephs? And, I, blah, blah, blah. and, and they, they pointed out, you know, Cephs, you know, x-rays, radiation. Are you really going to change your treatment plan because of that Ceph in most cases? Probably not. And did you know that x-rays cause cancer, they say. And I, we thought about it, and, and sure enough, there's, you know, every month there's stuffing that comes out that x-rays do, we all know x-rays cause cancer, we all know that there's no safe dose of radiation. Um, and then there's stuff in the literature, this is from the AGO, this highlights the uncertainty surrounding the necessity for lateral cephalometric radiographs in treatment planning. So I didn't take a ceph. So my lawyer said, David, no, Seth, we can't defend you. We can't. Standard of care of New York State is taking a Seth. They're going to say you didn't, take, you didn't follow standard of care. You didn't look into perhaps orthognathic surgery, maxillary this, mandibular that. We can't defend you. So we settled for $50,000. So my takeaway point is always take a Seth whether you need it or not. And I'm sorry that you're exposing all these people to ionizing radiation, but that's the law. So let's move on. How do you offend someone? Sometimes it's merely a matter of existing. I want to show you this. This is a, a news report. Uh, what happened was, uh, American Airlines lost the luggage of a deaf couple. And the luggage handler was uh, an immigrant, English is his second language, jotted a note when they found the luggage to please text. Normally they call them, but the, he knew these people were deaf, so he said, please text deaf and dumb. So here's the news report. Now look at that, emotional baggage, deaf and mute couple demand apology. Just, just watch this. How do you offend An somebody? A message left on luggage, and now a major airline is apologizing. Angela Huckabee and James Moles' Hawaiian getaway was everything they would hope it would be. 
It was Mole's first airline trip, and the Big Island lived up to the hype. But when they got home, American Airlines lost their luggage, and adding insult to injury, when it finally did arrive, the luggage had the message scrawled on the receipt, please text deaf and dumb. Deaf and dumb. How much more insulting can you get? So the couple demanded an apology and vowed never to fly American Airlines again. In response, the airliner sent the media this statement. We apologize to Mr. Mole and Ms. Huckabee. It was clearly a very poor choice of words. We're confident there was no ill will, but we'll be looking into this further. But James's mother wants more. That person needs to be fired. The dumb one is the one who wrote the note. The couple is hoping the airline sends them a direct apology. So let's look what happened here. This poor airline baggage guy thought he was doing them a favor, used a term that he didn't realize was incorrect. They demanded an apology, and in doing so, they called him dumb, violating the rule of two wrongs don't make a right. Right? So they did the wrong thing. But this was the headline on ABC, Deaf and Mute Couple Demand Apology from Airliner. If you Wikipedia or Google what is deaf and mute, deaf and mute is a frequently viewed as a derogatory, insensitive, insulting, inaccurate, or socially or politically incorrect. So then the National Association of the Deaf demanded an apology for ABC News for using the term deaf and mute when describing a deaf and dumb person. <laughs> it never ends. It's so easy to offend somebody today. Here are my two patients. Jerry and Michelle. Jerry and Michelle are in their 30s, they're married. They're both patients of mine, they both work, so they come in at different times. Michelle comes into my office and reports that she lost a liner seven, eight, and nine. I said, how could you lose three sets of liners? I don't know. I said, nobody loses, you're like my moron daughter who lost her cell phone three times. So she looks at me and says, I don't appreciate you calling me a moron. So I said, well, I, I didn't really call you a moron. I, I actually said that you were like my daughter who was a moron. So she said, you called me a moron, metaphorically. So I said, well, actually, it's a simile, because I said like, <laughs> which didn't help me. So she got very upset, and I said, Michelle, I apologize. I am sorry if I offended you. All right, well, OK. And you know, Michelle, normally there's a fee for these. Replay, I'll, I'll eat the fee, I won't charge you. So I got them and I didn't charge her. And she left, but later that day, her husband, Jerry, called me up and said, Dr. David, would you do me a favor and apologize to Michelle? I said, I already, I, I, I said it was a terrible thing, I made a mistake and I apologized to her. Well, she's still very mad. Would you mind next time you see her apologizing again? So I said, so you want me to re-apologize? So he goes, yeah, would you mind? You know, I want us all to be friends. I want us to get along. So I said, oh, okay, I'll, I'll re-apologize. So I had to do some research. You know, there are right ways and wrong ways to put on attachments. You know, there are different techniques for putting on attachments, and some work and some don't work, and we study them. So I figured there were people who study apologies. 
Psychology, I'm not kidding. So I went on the internet. I came up with this video. I never should have left you alone with Goodman. Jerry's right. You got to apologize. Fine. Oh, what are you going to go? You're going begrudgingly or are you going to go insincere? Begrudgingly. Oh, you can't give a begrudging apology. You got to give a sincere apology. I'll go somewhere between begrudging and sincere. How's that? Somewhere between? Where between? I'll straddle the line. What kind of line? It's not completely sincere and it's not completely begrudging. I'll tell you what the line is. The line is you probably fuck up the apology. That's the line. If I fuck up the apology, then I'll apologize for the bad apology. You can't apologize for an apology. You get one shot. That's it. I just wanted to apologize if I offended you or insulted you in any way. So this is me apologizing. It's about as sorry as I can get. That's it? No good. No good. Too begrudging? Very begrudging. Can I apologize for the apology? So, I searched and I searched and I found out there is a good way to apologize. And if you memorize this and you make it part of you, you'll get out of trouble a lot easier. And it's the five steps of a perfect apology. First, acknowledge what you did wrong and don't use the word if. You see, I made a mistake. I said, Michelle, I'm sorry if I offended you. The fact of the matter is I did offend her. So never use the word if and come right out and say it. Michelle, I'm sorry that I offended you by calling you a moron. <laughs> and then acknowledge the emotional uh, consequences. And I realize that what I did interfered with our relationship. And I'm sorry about that. Next. By listening, give alternatives or alternative scenarios. I wish I simply said, it's a shame you lost those aligners because that might make your treatment take longer and is going to, there'll be an additional expense. See, this is very satisfying to those who hate your guts. Not my words, that's the words of the article. Um, four, then give them an opportunity to vent. Michelle, is there anything else that I've said or done that offended you? And then finally, Demonstrate you learned something. Michelle, from this, I've learned to be far more careful when I'm joking around with my patients and to treat them with far more dignity and respect. And I did that, and Michelle kissed me on the cheek. Now, what's cool about this is you can use this for anything. Honey, I am so sorry I forgot your birthday. <laughs> I realize that by doing so makes you feel that I don't love you. I really wish that not only did I remember your birthday, that I sent you flowers and I want to take you out to dinner. And tell me, sweetheart, is there anything else I've done or said that concerns you? From this experience, I've learned how important it is to do this for anything. Dad, I am so sorry I smashed up the family car. I realize that my actions have cost you a lot of money and you are probably very worried about my safety. I wish I had driven more carefully. Is there anything else that might concern you? And from this experience, I've learned never to have five shots of tequila before I borrow the car. <laughs> All right. Did you not stop the bodega today? Some moron bounced a clown 
He's still a moron, and it's a stupid idea. And whenever I did something really moronic, what would you say to me? Don't be stupid, you moron. What kind of moron makes their dad give the talk when they don't need the talk? Who does that? Me. Well, if you're starting a business and you take out a loan, you're a moron. But you're overthinking this, you moron. I'm a moron? It's strange. You moron. That's Malcolm Gladwell calling me a moron. Let me tell, talk to you about Rich. Rich is a stockbroker, Wall Street guy. That's not him, but he looks sort of like him. Rich works on Wall Street and comes dressed impeccably to the office every time. He was there for visit number three, because we always put attachments on number three. And he said, nobody ever told me about these attachments. And I see lots of, Rich, yes, we all told you, we told you. Nobody told me. I go, we always tell everybody, but look, Rich, it's right here. See, it, it's in the informed consent. See, it's, 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 it's right, it's, oh, it's right here. See, number, number uh, X, X11, attachments may be placed. He goes, Doc, I'm not getting all legal on you. I just wish you would have told me. And then it occurred to me, I didn't tell him. I didn't tell him in a way that he heard it. So I had to come up with a better way. So I came up with this little form that says in big red letters, do not begin your Invisalign treatment until after you read this. And on the bottom it says your signature means something. Do not put your name on this until you've read it carefully. <laughs> and this works. And I've, I will give you the website. You can pick this up. I'll show you exactly how you can get it and modify it for your own use. Um, but, but here it is. Uh, number two is the line isn't just the beginning. You'll need attachments. And, and I keep modifying the various different things I put in there. I put this as in 12-point type so nobody can complain, except a couple of people who complained. And then I came up with number two, the six A's. You know, you give somebody a list, you want them to sort of memorize it. If you make it all A's, it works out well. So this is the six A's of Invisalign treatment. One is the aligners. It was hard coming up with A's for everything. Number one is the aligners. Number two are attachments. You will need attachments with a little picture. Number three are auxiliaries. You may need auxiliaries with a little pack picture of rubber bands and things like that. Number four is adjustment. If the teeth are crowded, it may be necessary to adjust in between the teeth, IPR by polishing with very fine sandpaper. Number five is additional aligners, refinement aligners. After your full set of aligners, if your teeth are not exactly where we want them, it may be necessary to add additional aligners called refinement aligners. And then finally, afterwards, after completing Invisalign treatment, you will be given retainers that must be worn as prescribed for as long as you want your teeth to stay straight. So patients get this card at the initial consult, and when they first get their aligners on, and also when we scan them. They, each patient gets those cards three times, so we now never have that miscommunication. And you can get this and my other documents, just download them at megapractice.com forward slash summit dot html. You'll be able to download this at home, or here, wherever you want. Care credit. Treat a lot of patients with care credit. Well, they pay me all at once, and they take 10% out, but I get the money all at once so I can put it in the stock market and lose it myself. 
And here was a patient, very simple patient. It was a, uh, a spacing case, and I love spacing cases. They treat themselves. But then, after I gave her her first two sets of aligners, she said, this isn't for me. Buyer's remorse. She changed her mind. So she asked me for her money back. And I said, no, I don't give you your money back. You know, if you read my thing where it says, do not, it says you get 15% of your money back, so I'll give you back a check for about 700. No, no, I want my money back. So she petitioned Care Credit. And what she wrote to Care Credit was that we have been making payments, she did for two months, while trying to settle this dispute. I've talked with several dentists that say the procedure will not work. This was for oral surgery. I don't know where that came from. I went for a second opinion and was told it would not work. I asked the dentist for a refund, and he refused. So Care Credit took back the money. So I got on the phone with them, and I said, what are you doing? You've got to give me back my money. They said, New York State banking law states that you're not allowed to charge somebody for services not rendered, and apparently you didn't I said, wait a minute. I certainly did render. I I took the impressions, I did the clin check, I did everything I was supposed to do. Um, I had to pay a line, their money, I did everything I was supposed to do, and she signed a form. And here was my form, that was the same form, and number six is teeth are not the only thing that move, you may move or discontinue treatment, in any event you will be fully responsible for 85% of your fee, faxed that to care credit and they reversed it and gave me back everything except $750. So once again, I would say to you, a take-home, take-away point is that form. Make sure that they know that even if they discontinue treatment halfway through, a quarter of the way through, they owe you all your money, minus 15%. Don't you hate retention? How many, come on, I've had 37 years of experience and I know everybody in this room. How many times do you get a patient back after six months, after a year, after two years or whatever? Total relapse, right? And you tell them they have been wearing their retainers. And they say, well, I didn't know I had to wear them. You know, I, I didn't know, right? I didn't know. You never told me. You know, you gave me the aligners too fast. You took the braces off too soon, right? And when you tell a patient, about retainers, they say, how long do I have to wear them? And you look at them and you say, well, you have to wear them for the rest of your life. And the patient goes, for the rest of my, like that, for the, like, for the rest, like, how long you plan on living? It's ridiculous. They don't get it. So I have to make them get it. So even though they sign the forms, they get everything, they know it, you know and I know this happens all the time. So I came up with something called parallel thinking. You know how parallel thinking works? People, patients may ask you, why do I need attachments? Well, and you use parallel thinking. You'll say, do you ever try and open up like a mayonnaise jar with wet, soapy hands, and you can't open it up? It just slips. Well, it's the same thing with an attachment. You're trying to move a tooth, and, and it, it's a wet, scuzzy tooth, and the, and the aligners are all slimy, and they can't grab a hold. So we put these attachments on so we can have something to grab. That's parallel thinking. So everybody, there's nobody who thinks, I don't think, well, I went to my dentist last week. He thoroughly cleaned my teeth. So now I don't have to brush my teeth ever anymore. <laughs> no, you have to brush your teeth for the rest of your life. So what I did was I incorporated retention into brushing. Made it the same thing. 
It's something called my ultimate hygiene program. And again, you can download this and modify it in any way. So all my patients get this. So when you're all done, this is what you have to do. I married retention with brushing. Brush your teeth, floss your teeth, rinse with an antimicrobial mouthwash, and number four is put your retainers on every night. And then once a week, I have them rinse with Prevodent. So now they get it. Just like you understand, yes, I have to brush my teeth for the rest of your life. Yes, I have to wear my retainers. If I don't brush my teeth, I'm going to get cavities and gingivitis. If I don't wear my retainers, I'm going to get relapse. So they get it. And you can, again, you can take pictures of this, but you can download it at that, that number that I gave you. My $15,000 a day hygienist. Let me introduce you to my office. This is my staff. As you can see, my staff is very loyal and my staff is very fertile. When I was taking that picture, the UPS guy showed up. He said, can I be in the picture? I said, okay, Ray. He feels like part of my family, so that's Ray, the UPS guy. This is my staff, that's Bronwyn. She's been with me 20 years, and during her experience with me, she had two babies. Debbie, 27, one baby. Patty, 28, two babies. Delia, 13 years, been with me, had one baby. Elizabeth has been with me 11 years, had one baby. And Jillian has been with me two years and has a half a baby. Here she is. So I have a very fertile office, and they stay with me for a long period of time. This is Denise. Denise has been with me for a total of 25 years. When Denise first got pregnant with her first baby, she said to me, Dr. David, I won't be able to come back. I have nobody to watch the baby, so you're going to have to replace me. I said, that's a shame, Denise, but whatever. So I hired a new dental hygienist. I, I hired a woman who was right out of dental hygiene school. In my office, I use my dental hygienist not to do the stuff they learn in dental hygiene school. They're not scraping teeth and stuff like that. They're not doing that. But what they do in my office is they scan with our ITERO. They scan, they put the attachments on, they take the attachments off, they uh, take any impressions, alginates or whatever, uh, and they clean the teeth up after debonding. That's what my hygienist do. But she was not prepared for that. So I told her to just follow Denise for the first day to see what we're doing in our office. So after about an hour, I go and I, I, I look what's happening. And she has her hands in her pockets. And I go over and say, you know, you got to take your hands out of your pockets. She was wearing gloves and masks, but she had her hands in her pockets. I said, you know, there's a sterility chain and stuff like that. You can't put your hands in your pocket. Oh, OK, all right. An hour later, she's still watching Denise, and she has her hands in her pocket again. So I go over there and just tap her, you know, take her hands out of her pocket. And then after lunch, it's about 4 o'clock, and she's doing that, and she has her, it's 4 o'clock, she has her hands in her pocket. I said, could you come with me? I, I said, look, I got to let you go. I go, it's not working out. You keep putting your hands in your pocket. And she goes, well, the baby keeps jumping. I said, the baby, what? She goes, the baby's jumping. I'm pregnant. I said, well, what do you do? She goes, well, I'm three months pregnant. I go, but you're here to hire a woman who's leaving because it, it doesn't matter why you're putting your hands in your pocket. Uh, you just, you're not gonna, you don't fit in here. I'm sorry. And I, I let her go. I said, I'll pay you for the full day. Good luck. Three days later, three days later, New York State Division of Human Rights, unrightful termination. So 
I have a friend of mine who's a lawyer. I call him up, hey, Stu, I explain the whole thing to him. He says, I can't handle that. He's a lawyer. He says, let me check it out. He gets back and he says, what that is is that's a two-day hearing in Albany. Albany is about 400 miles from my office. He goes, it's a two-day hearing in Albany. I can't, I can't uh, defend you on that. I can get you some guy's name. It's going to cost you $15,000 in legal fees. I go, 15? He goes, 15,000. He says, why don't I just settle this? If I can settle it for 15,000, will you do it? I go, well, what, what options do I have? I don't have any options. So he settled it. I paid her $15,000. What could I do? But from now on, whenever I hire anybody, I give them a, oh, before I tell you that, the rest of the story is Denise had her baby. We hired Elvie to replace her. Denise came back. She said found somebody to have, to work, to, to watch her baby. Elvie had a baby, Denise came back, and then Elvie had another baby, and LV came back. <laughs> so I end up with an extra hygienist. <laughs> but now, whenever I hire somebody, I only hire them for two weeks. I give them a two-week contract. It's a contract that lasts for two weeks. And then at the end of that contract, if you're happy and I'm happy, we can make another contract. So this way, no matter what kind of an idiot I hire, I'm stuck with them for two weeks only, then our contract is done, goodbye, and nobody can sue me again for unlawful termination. That's my take. I mean, I got this file for you if you want it. Bargaining. How many times does a patient come to your office, you give them the fee, and they say, doctor, can you do better? How many times is that? Or has it just happened to me? Now, when I first started my practice, it didn't happen that much. Things were different then. There was a little less competition. Doctors weren't allowed to advertise. They weren't allowed to advertise back then. There was no, very little marketing going on. You weren't allowed to do direct mail. There was none of that stuff. And people didn't ever, I don't remember 20 years ago, people bargaining. Uh, my, my neighborhood has changed. Uh, we have a lot of immigrants, a lot of people from South America, a lot of people from uh, Asia and the Middle East. And from what I understand, a lot of these people, it's their custom to bargain. And for some of these people, the men especially, but the men and the women, they, they feel like less of a man or less of a woman if they pay full price. <laughs> I see you laughing. You know what I'm saying, right? So I had to rethink my process of never bargaining. And now, if somebody says to me, can you do better, I got the case. Once they say to me, can you do better, I know that they're going to start right away. Because here's my trick. Try this and it works. They say to me, can you do better? Doctor, can you do better? I say, you want me to lower my fee? Yes, can you do better? What will you do for me? And that sort of surprises them. But in a bargain, that, right? That's what bargaining is. I say, what can you do for me? And they look at me, I don't understand. Well, you want me to cut my fee, what do you want me to do for you? you know, what are you going to do for me? I don't know. I'll tell you what. If I give you 10% off, 
Will you promise to refer your friends and family to me? Yeah. Okay, stick out my hand, shake on it, and it's done. They start right away. There's something called reciprocation. I did something for you, you do something for me, and commitment. They put out their hand, they agreed upon it, I take 10% off, they start right away, and I won't say they always refer somebody, but my level of referrals from somebody who I cut their fee is considerably higher than somebody whose level I didn't cut their fee. Try it, it works. They're gonna start right away. So that's my tip for you for the bargainers, my takeaway. Let's move on. What about unhappy patients? You get the patients who come in and you're doing everything you can for them. You're all done and there's always this one tooth. They never like this tooth here. Hey, this tooth here, it's going to be more like this. Or they come in and they complain that lady at the front desk is so mean and nasty and all that. And I say, Gene, why did she say you'd be nasty? Because I asked her for money. She hasn't made a payment in th three months. But you're going to always get unhappy patients. So this is a little video I want to show you about how to handle it. And, and the basic is shut up and listen. Us doctors don't know how to do that. In this video, be very careful, you might misconstrue this, there is a female actor who's playing the part of an emotional patient and a male doctor who's playing the part of a logical left-brained orthodontist. You got it? All right. There's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head and it's relentless and I don't know if it's gonna stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever gonna stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head it is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there. Stop trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing. You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. No, see, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, out. you're not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just, sometimes it's like there's this achy, I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. That sounds really hard. Thanks. Thank you. Ow! Come on, if you would just- Don't! Now, you know that happens every day, not every day, once a week in your office. So, if you read these books, Stephen Covey explains the best way, and if you can just do this, you will have less problems if you follow, just memorize these steps. One is sit down. 
Wherever you are, wherever this combat is going on, sit down so that the patient doesn't get the idea that you're trying to leave, that you want to zoom out of there. Sit down, look them directly in the eye, and never interrupt. Don't try and show them how smart you are. Just let them finish. I know how hard it is, because you heard this complaint a hundred times. But let them finish. And then, when they're done, when they're finished speaking, repeat word for word. So I understand, you want this tooth a little bit more like this, right? Yeah. Uh, I have a picture of the waiter, because there are studies that show that waiters who repeat orders word for word get 17% greater tips, even if they bring out the wrong food. So repeat what they say word for word. Uh, next is then confirm it. Is that correct? So you want the tooth a little bit more like this and then like that. Is that correct? Yes. All right? And then give your suggestions. Okay, no problem. We'll take another refinement. And okay, no problem. I'll put a little dimple in here. And you do that, less problems. Let us continue. The periodontist niece. So a friend of mine is a periodontist, referred uh, his niece to me. She was spaced, very smart girl. She went to a Harvard, got an MBA there, very bright woman. Um, I gave her a nice discount. I gave her $1,000 courtesy because she is the niece of a periodontist. And I treated her and she disappeared. As you can see, this happened uh, December 2nd, 2004. I gave her a whole bunch of aligners. She missed her appointment. She missed another appointment. Then. Uh, two and a half years later, on October of 2006, I destroyed her aligners. Can't keep them forever. She then called up, missed another appointment. Then May of 2007, three years from the last time I saw her, she came in and said she wants to continue treatment. So I said, well, it's too bad, Rob, and I threw out the aligners. She goes, well, how dare you throw out my aligners? I said, well, actually, you know, they're my aligners. I use them to treat you, and you weren't here. You didn't answer. You know, I always send emails, and I send postcards. You didn't answer anything. Well, I was busy, and I did this and all that. I said, well, I'll treat you for free. What I'll do is I'll put braces back on you, or if you want Invisalign again, I'm going to have to charge you the lab fee. No, 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 no. You'll hear from me. So I didn't hear from her. What I heard from is the Office of Professional Discipline. If you're in New York, I'd rather be sued for a million dollars than hear from the Office of Professional Discipline. If I'm sued for a million dollars, my insurance company handles it. It doesn't cost me anything except a lot of service and stuff like that, but then it's over. The Office of Professional Discipline can lift your license, so you don't want to hear from them. So the guy calls me up, well, actually he writes me a letter and I call him up, and he says, well, why did you throw out her aligners? I said, they weren't her aligners, they're my aligners. They're my tools that I use to fix her teeth. I haven't seen her in two and a half years, and I didn't think they'd be good anymore. They expired, so I threw them out. No, they're actually her aligners. She paid, no, she didn't pay me for the aligners, she paid me for my services. She goes, well, no, she paid you for the aligners. No, she didn't. I said, let me fax you my receipt. Here's my receipt. This is the receipt from Invisalign, the invoice. And you see where it says taxes? They charged me the taxes. New York state law states that the end user pays sales tax. That's why if you go into a store and you buy a pair of shoes, you pay the tax. 
So the end user pays the sales tax. I paid the sales tax, not Robin. Therefore, by New York State law, they're my aligners. The guy said, you're right, and dropped the case. Here he is, and he dropped it right there. He said that he's dropping the case. So Robin comes in, she calls me up and says, you know, okay, can you put my braces on? So I give her braces for free, no charge. I finish her up. She looks great. Take the braces off, give her the retainer, and she takes me to small claims court claiming I charged her for Invisalign, but I gave her braces. So that was a pain in the neck, so I had to go to small claims court. You don't need a lawyer or anything like that. I went. And I explained to the judge the same thing I explained to the Office of Professional Discipline, and the judge ruled in my favor. No monetary award. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but. The takeaway from this is, I won the battles, but I lost the war. In other words, I won, but I, I had to go through all that service, I had to go to small claims court, I had to talk to the OPD, and now I have this girl who I, I bent over backwards for, who's now bitching about me all the time to all her friends and neighbors and stuff like that. So my takeaway is now, I don't throw out the aligners. I just keep them forever. I have a big attic, I just throw them up there, and whenever they want to come, they can have their stupid aligners. <laughs> Anybody watch uh, The Rising Star over the summer? This is my boy, I treated him. This is Jesse Kinch, over the summer there was this show, The Rising Star. See, I didn't do all bad. <laughs> this is my boy. And he won. He won a million-dollar contract with Capitol Records. Jesse Kinch. My guy. I did Invisalign on him. Jesse Kinch, and I'm here to tell you that my experience with Invisalign has been nothing but a joy. Uh, first, one positive of Invisalign over braces is that you never have to be self-conscious about your smile. I mean, everybody wants to look good through high school, so. Uh, second, you don't have to worry about food getting stuck in your braces and you know, having to brush them out through the day. And. Um, Overall, I think Invisalign is quite less painful than regular braces. You don't have to go through all that pain of the initial process. So uh, I totally advocate wearing Invisalign. My boy. What's that? Yeah, he's on YouTube. Jesse Kitch. Um, finally. My last case, I had these twins come in, 20-year-old girls, twins, Kathy and Patty. Kathy is on your left. As you can see, she has a class two. The only thing Kathy was concerned about was her overjet. That was it. Lower teeth were fine, 
Kathy was concerned about her buck teeth. So what I had to do on her is treated her with Invisalign, took out the upper first bicuspids, pulled everything back. That's Kathy. Patty was only concerned with her lower teeth. She needed some crowding on the bottom relieved. Didn't want to, do you see where this is going? So Kathy just wanted her upper, Patty just wanted her lower. I had to do it. I had no choice. So I took the PVSs on, this was before scanners, took the PVSs on Kathy, took the PVSs on Patty, took Kathy's upper, I had to, and Patty's lower. Now, back then you had to send a, a PVS bite, so I, so I took alginates, made an upper study model and a lower study model, put the stuff on there and gushed it together the best I could. You had to send photographs. I wrote and said they're Amish. This was the dumbest thing I ever did. <laughs> so Kathy had 40 aligners, and it worked out fine. Patty was done after 10, but she needed refinement. But I didn't want to send in refinement and use up one of my refinements because I thought, Kathy, so I said, well, why don't we wait till your sister is done? And then she said, that's ridiculous. It was the dumbest thing I ever did. <laughs> so. The takeaway from that, and by the way, the only reason why I'm telling you now is because it's six years and the statute of limitations for fraud is six years. Thank you very much. So you can find all of the information at megapractice.com summit slash dot mthl. If you see me around, if you have any questions, you want to give me any stories, please come see me. Enjoy the rest of this summit.